This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, Bellator Society. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Tracy Eddy, sweating to death in Phoenix, Arizona. And my co-host, Fran Yanger, is not sweating to death in Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning, my friend. Did you say that my name was Fran Anger? No. Did it sound like that? It sounded like you said Fran Anger. (laughs) Did I say your whole name, Franchelle Yeager, and it just got... I don't think so. I think think you just said, like, Yeager, but you said it with... Well, you said it with a Southern drawl, and it sounded my ears... Well, we've been having sound problems all morning long. And actually, you know what? My husband just told me yesterday that he thinks I need to have my hearing checked. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because especially my... um, um, third and fourth sons, whenever they talk to me, I'm like, did you just say this? And they're like, no, that's not what I said. So maybe it could be me. But it was kind of funny that you said Fran Yang anger or that you didn't say it or you did say it or that's what I heard because I do feel like it's, it's a little subliminal. Like it's, it's, it's a little bit reading my mind. I am dealing with anger issues because of the current state of our world and the unkindness of people and just... The thing is, Fran, I don't think you're the only one dealing with anger issues because based on my Twitter feed, everyone, this is a very common situation going on right now. People are angry. I mean, you can't say anything nice about anything without it getting misconstrued and and someone taking it the wrong way and just kind of attacking you. There's been a lot of that, I feel like, in this day, you know, in, in these last few weeks and months. And what is, what is the antidote to anger? What is that? Joy. Gratitude. Joy, you think joy? Okay, I'm looking, so I'm looking this up. I'm looking up vir- virtues and vices as we speak because I want to know like the, okay, so if I'm trying to combat the sin of wrath, which is anger, um, the Latin is ira or ira, but I think it's pronounced ira. Um, it looks like the corresponding virtue is actually patience. <gasps> yes. That's a hard Potentia. one. That's a hard yes. one. Patience is not a virtue that I probably have a lot of. And that it, oh, and guess what? So the, the manifestation of that virtue or the practice of that virtue is, uh, based in forgiveness and mercy. What do we need on Twitter? What do we need on all social media right now? But forgiveness and mercy. Amen. Amen. A little bit would go a long way. Absolutely. Just a little bit. Absolutely. This is very cool. I have no idea where I found this, but it's been on my desktop for a long time. It is a, and I don't even know if I can share it because I don't like know where it came from or have the rights to it. (laughs) But it's a, um, it's like a little Excel sheet of all of the the seven deadly sins and the corresponding virtues, their Latin 
um, uh, like roots, and then how we, how how what what the actionable things we can do, what what they are to practice those virtues. Did I say any of that with any like intelligence? I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> I got it. So if you are struggling with a vice Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. a a, a sin, you know, one of the deadly sins there, we have in our church, what's called the the virtues that kind of are the the other side, like the opposite. And usually if you are struggling with something such as anger, there would be something on the opposite side or a virtue that you could work on to kind of offset that, that vice of yours. So Right, because the idea is when you take away a vice from your life, it leaves a vacuum, like it leaves a space to fill, and you you have to fill it with something else. Like you can't just like, well, I'm just going to stop being angry and then expect like, well, then now life is better because you're not you're not filling in that that space that anger took up in your life with anything good. And so there there then comes the practice of virtue or the habit of virtue. Um but anyway, I want to, maybe we should just like start, this is actually very good. It's funny that we're going into this because it goes very, it, it coordinates very well with our intended topic this week, which was charity. charity. Yeah. I love it. And, and that's one of the virtues that's listed. And what do we, what do we imagine is the corresponding sin to the virtue of charity? Greed. Duh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, you know, when, when we are not. Uh, generous when we are not charitable we are um, practicing avarice the latin is avaritia um, and the corresponding latin virtue would be caritas so charity is the opposite of greed and we practice charity the habits or, or the things that we pay attention to when we are trying to practice charity are our will you know what what the things that we will you know, willing the good of the other is love, is charity, benevolence, generosity, and sacrifice. So those are all the ways that we can practice charity. Um, but we want to kind of focus in, like tighten the lens a little bit and talk about generosity specifically this week. Yes, because if you watched our live stream on Wednesday, you know that we had Dave McMaster on and he um is and his family really have launched a generosity company, a generosity platform um, to help people kind of, I think their, their slogan is awaken generosity, which I think is really awesome because I think we know, everybody knows that there's nonprofits and there's charities and there's, mm-hmm. you know, people who need help, but sometimes it's hard to get connected with them. You know, you might know the two or three that your church supports or the 10 or 20 that your church supports, but there's really like, millions in this country that do a lot of good and they need our support. And now more than ever because of coronavirus and, and shutdowns and people aren't going out and supporting, um, you know, these causes that do so much good for, for, um, for the world do so much good for, um, you know, people. And, and Dave mentioned, you know, even, you know, animals and the environment. So like really whatever your passion is, um, they, they can connect you with a good charity or nonprofit to, to partner with. But we had a great time talking to him and learning about Uncommon Giving. Yes. I, it was so interesting. And again, I, I'm so impressed by the innovation and the initiative to do something like that because I, I feel like 
I, I'm accustomed, as I think we most are, m- most of us are, to like, we write a check when we're asked, but I don't necessarily go online and look for ways, good ways in which I can spend, you know, my money charitably. Like, I, I feel like I often have those very direct appeals to like, I'm sitting in mass and we have a visiting, you know, priest who does the homily because he's, you know, a missionary for a certain you know, charity in a developing country or, you know, and that, that always tugs at my heart or, you know, the annual appeals that we get from the diocese or our parish. Um, you know, those are, those are very church based, uh, charitable giving opportunities or nonprofits. Uh, but then, you know, we have things in our, you know, local sphere, like one that's very close to my heart that we've talked about before is Shower Up Nashville, where there's this family, Paul and his family, who have this truck, I think they may even have two trucks, um, that just go to urban areas. It's always a dependable area, a safe place where they can, you know, hook into some water, and they provide showers for homeless people. And that's it is amazing, and it's so beautiful. And, you know, this family who, who runs Shower Up Nashville isn't Catholic themselves, but it's such a Catholic endeavor. You know, it, it's such, you know, it, it is a work of mercy um, to, to, you know, to clothe the naked. And, you know, part of that is providing them clean clothes, providing them ways in which to keep their bodies clean. And, and that's what they're doing. And I think that's so beautiful. And it actually reminds me of like one of the very first things that I believe Pope Francis did during his pontificate. And that was turn some of the um, church buildings into bathrooms and showers for homeless people in Rome. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I mean, it's, it is definitely takes into the idea of the dignity of the human person. Yes. Um, yeah. We, we hear a lot about the dignity of the worker, which is also yeah. a beautiful um, um, concept that we talk a lot about in the Catholic Church. But just the dignity of the human person, I mean, a, a shower, a shave, mm-hmm. a haircut. Um, and there are these, these nonprofits that are small, and there, a lot of them are small and local. Um, so you don't hear about them maybe in the national news. You don't hear about them. In, in you know, if you don't live in Nashville, you probably wouldn't have heard about it. Um, mm-hmm. But they make such a huge impact in their community. They're really community-based um, nonprofits. And so it's just so fun to get to learn about um, what Uncommon Given is doing because they have national nonprofits on their um, kind of fund, um, you know, within their realm of um, knowledge and, and that they're working with. But they're, I mean, anybody can come and say, I want, I want to put, I want to, um, put this local nonprofit on your, on your platform because I want to give to them. Um, and, and they'll, they'll do it. So we, and, and, yeah, go I'm ahead. So sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I was go just going to say, and it's not just because I want to give to them. It's because I want to shine a light that they exist in the world. And when I put it on the platform, that makes them discoverable for other people. So you can kind of almost maybe create, and we, we should have talked to him about this, but like, what if you have a particular interest? Like my interest is um, crisis pregnancies. Well, can we make a page or an area where like all crisis pregnancy play, you know, any place that I've lived that has a crisis pregnancy center is going to be on one fund or one wallet. I think that's what we were saying is for the individual, like you individually have a wallet. Well, if that is my primary interest for charity and generosity, then I want to gather up, I want to collect all the collect all the crisis pregnancy centers that I'm interested in and, and, you know, give to them equally. 
and and do it in an organized way too because i mean how many times do you write a check because you were inspired that one day when you heard that one thing and not that it doesn't it doesn't preclude you from doing that but it just makes it more organized and kind of um, intentional. intentional yeah 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 so we announced on our live stream that we have partnered with uncommon giving and we have a bellator fund and um we chose four organizations that are near and dear to our heart and it we really we could have put like 200 oh, on so there yeah. but we're trying to we're trying to be practical and start small but we chose um four organizations two more local and two sort of national that are going to be on the bellator fund and anybody can give to it and if you go and you give you know fifty dollars it'll be split up evenly among these four funds but it's kind of the the four nonprofits that we would like to champion right now and that's not to say that we're not going to change it up or maybe add to it or you know that this can't grow over time but this is sort of our kind of putting our toes into um, living our faith um, mm -hmm. and living it kind of from a, a Bellator you know I live my faith within my family we give we volunteer Fran definitely does the same thing but for Bellator um, we wanted to kind of step out into that arena and champion a couple causes. And two of them are actually people that we have, we've interviewed. I mean, we know about their organization because we've interviewed them, um, Redbird Ministries, and then also the, you say it because you know I can't say it. The Library Society. The Library Society. Um, so do we want to go through those um, just in yeah. just a little bit? We did talk about it on, on the live stream, but maybe just a little bit about those. And then let's let's go through all of our favorite nonprofits. We thought that would be fun yeah. to, to talk about the different ones that we love. Yeah. So I, I guess, so first of all, let's just maybe talk people through how to, because we're not going to say everything that's important about these, these um, charities. But if you go to uncommongiving.com, you can discover Bellator Society as a, just as Tracy said, a, a, a charitable fund or a, gen, a generosity fund. And then in our particular fund, you will see all four of these um, charities or these nonprofits that we have recommended um, as, you know, ones that we're interested in, ones that we want to share uh, with the world, ones that we want other people to pay attention to. And the first, I, I would think, um, would be just the St. Vincent de Paul Society, because that's, that is it, society? Is yeah, right? I think St. Vincent de Paul Society. And that's one that, like you said earlier, is a, is a national organization. Mm -hmm. But every parish I've ever been to has a local yeah. organization. And in mm -hmm. Arizona, actually, there's a state, St. Vincent de Paul, that's yes. very active here. Um, so it's a little bit different state by state, town by town, church by church, but it is a large organization and they do yeoman's work for the poor. They feed, mm -hmm. they clothe, you know, there is always a food drive. There is always a clothing drive. There is always a coat drive, you know, that St. Vincent de Paul does um, in, in our parish and I'm sure in, in many, many parishes. So they always need resources. They always, because we will always have the poor among us. I mean, that, that's mm -hmm. what the gospel says. And so it's, it is our Christian calling. It's our, you know, it's part of our responsibility to care for the poor. It's one of the, you know, works of mercy. So we, we thought that was an obvious um, good one to choose. Yeah, I mean, pr preference for the poor is definitely high on the list of Catholic interests. I do have a sp funny, it's not 
funny, but I have an interesting St. <laughs> Vincent de Paul story. So when we were in Paris a couple of years ago, we were traveling with a, another couple um, who were mutual friends of ours. And um, the husband of the couple uh, had a list of churches that we were to visit during our short stint in Paris. Yes. And we were totally on board. We were like, as long as these visits to all of these churches are intertwined with the requisite amount of coffee and wine and <laughs> crepes, we'll be fine. <laughs> um, but one of the days was visiting, um, uh, I don't know if it's, it's the Shrine St. Vincent de Paul, but anyway, it's it's basically St. Vincent de Paul's church. And oh. it's in a very interesting part of Paris. And we, we walked to all of these places, mostly. We did very little um, public transportation or um, taxis or Ubers or whatever. But um, I remember walking up and we walked in and it's very modest. Like it's a very modest church. You don't walk in and it's not like this, you know, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. It's exactly. <laughs> like it's not, you know, um, the, you know, Saint Saint's Chapel or anything. And like it's it's very, it's a modest space. But as we were walking out, there was a woman who was sitting on the ground begging. And I thought, you are the smartest woman in the world yeah to sit at the door of this church of saint vincent de paul and and i mean could there have been any better place for you to remind me of what this of what this man lived for right. and what this place exists for and so um i thought it, you know it's one of those god winks like you 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 were here at the right time my friend <laughs> Totally, <laughs> you totally. tugged at my heart for generosity. I can never imagine saying no in front of the Church of Saint Vincent de Paul. So uh, that would be um, just a, just a little just a little story about that. And then our second one that I think we would recommend um, on a national level is the Labore Society. And I guess just to describe that one, Trey, you want to go? Well, um, yes, we had a, a, a professional opera singer that we. Well, I don't even want to say we, I wasn't the interviewer. You interviewed her. So it's kind of weird that I'm describing this. But anyways, I listened. I was a fan. I watched the the video. I think I was traveling or something like that. And um, she, again, was a professional opera singer in New York, you know, trained, fabulous singer. This was her calling. And, and she kind of discovered a late in life vocation or a little bit later in life vocation of a feeling called to religious life. And so one of the kind of prerequisites when you enter a convent or a monastery or seminary is that you come Mm debt-free. And a lot of people who are entering these, you know, these, these religious vocations have debt. If you've gone to college, you probably have debt. If you've ever bought a car, you may, you know, there's going to be some debt. And so this organization helps people, young men and women um, who are, who are, you know, wanting to follow God's will for their life, get rid of their debt. And they, they do some fundraising. They, um, they help pay off debt. Um, and, and we need that because we need more people who are free to enter into these vocations. So that, that was, we, we felt like that was an obvious good one and kind of a cool one because I had never heard of it. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and when we were interviewing Dave before the interview started, he was telling us how cool he thought it was because he's been to law school. He knows, um, what it's like to have debt and to, to want to, um, work in, in places that, you know, maybe you're not going to make gazillions of dollars, but you also have to support a family and you have to, um, you know, live and you, there, there's a lot of debt there. So 
I feel like a lot of, you know, like lawyers, I feel like you come out of school and you kind of have to go to big firms and start really doing the billable hours and things like that to pay off all the debt. And and a lot of people I know who have done that, usually once they get their debt paid off, then they're kind of free to go and do Mm -hmm. um, work in legal areas that maybe they're more passionate about. But do more pro bono work and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. Um, I would say the same for, for doctors. You know, you have tons of medical school debt and you you come out. I mean, you don't uh, maybe some people you will. Let me say this. You shouldn't become a doctor today if you want to be rich. It's not the same <laughs> as it was 50 years ago. But, you know, you do have to, to consider the debt portion of it. And, you know, to even to go to take a couple of weeks off in a year to go do a medical mission is costly. And, right. you know, not a lot of not, not many doctors always have the freedom if they're paying off med school debt to do that, even though they may have a heart for it. So all of these sorts of organizations that might relieve debt for, um, you know, either attorneys, physicians, but most especially people pursuing a religious vocation as a religious or a priest, um, you know, this, the the Laboree Society serves this particular niche of people who are really in need. And, 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 and guess what? We're the ones in need too because we need them there. Yeah, we're really I mean, the they recipients. They are powerhouses <laughs> for for the the for for the great for the the power of prayer. I mean, they are devoting their lives. You know, Gretchen is intending to devote her life to living in a cloistered monastery with other nuns who will be praying for us for the rest of their lives, twenty four seven. Yeah, yeah. We are the recipients. We're really the recipients of that of that ministry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so those are our two national ones. And then we, we did two more local ones. And the first one we did was Arkansas Pregnancy Resource Center, which is also known as St. Joseph's Helpers. Um, and that's one that it, it's obviously in Arkansas, which is where Fran and I met. So we frequented their banquets and um, <laughs> answered the call to charity. Um, I know, especially when we live there. And I volunteer time at the center. And it's actually across the street from the abortion clinic in Little Rock and was I don't know oh, true. because you know it, it burned, burned down. remember it burned down yeah. but for years and years they operated just within like I mean just as you said just right across the street from the the only surgical abortion center in the state of Arkansas I believe yeah so and it, it would have people really pull mm-hmm. it would pull from all over the state but even out of state um, mm-hmm. because of the surgical procedures they did and so we have prayed in front of the center. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, donated money. We have volunteered. And so this one was an obvious one for both of us because it was sort of, um, you know, from the beginning of our friendship, um, something that we both were really interested in and involved in. So that was, that was a fun one and a, a, something that, that, you know, near and dear to our heart. And then our last one is Redbird Ministries. Yeah, so Kelly Bro is a new friend of Bellator Society in just in the past year, and we had her on the podcast, and we have actually been on her podcast as well, talking about uh, grief, you know, grieving the death of a loved one, most specifically through Redburn Ministries, it's grieving the death of a child. So, so helping parents cope with the death of a child really through a Catholic um, spirituality. You know, they, they don't just serve Catholics, but Kelly and her husband are very Catholic, and their approach to grief is through access to the sacraments, you know, through the intercession of the saints, through all of the beautiful just intricacies that is the the bouquet of, you know, 
Catholic spirituality. They're, they're using all of it to help people, um, you know, deal with their grief, manage their grief. Um, just, I, I never want to say recover from the death of a child because you never recover from the death of a child, but really learn how to re-engage in the world, um, you know, and it, knowing that you're going to be living with this hole in your heart for the rest of your life. And I cannot say enough good things about Redbird Ministries. I think that what they're doing is beautiful. They particularly need money. You might think, well, why would they need money? Well, what they are doing is so unique in the the Catholic sphere of of ministries that there just aren't like when they lost their children, um, you know, they didn't have a place to turn that served them in the way that they intend to serve other people. And one of the ways that they're trying to do it is do very high quality um, video resources, you know, and they could not have even for, foreseen that COVID would make this even more essential, yeah. you know, because you, you can have retreats for grief in your parish that that is an option through Redbird Ministries, but we can't right now. And guess what? Children are still dying and parents are still mourning now. And so how do we reach them when you can't even, I mean, many people haven't even returned to mass yet. You know, they're certainly not in a position to be able to travel to their local parish or to a parish nearby to go to a grieving parent retreat. So Redbird Ministries is is offering and trying to develop, again, just really super high quality um, video resources that help people through, I mean, the most transformative time in a parent's life, you know, apart from becoming a parent, losing a child, I would say just is so transport transformative to who you are as a human being. Well, and we interviewed Kelly and she was such a joy to have on the program. And I think we all three cried <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is devastating. It is devastating. Um, what, you know, what happens to your heart and to your family when you lose a child? Um, I can imagine. And through her testimony, um, it's evident that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the grief she went through and it is so beautiful to hear her testimony and sort of how she has, like you said, recovered is not the right word, but how she has learned to kind of, um, live and find joy and find healing and find some sort of peace, um, And because, you know, a lot of parents who lose children still have other children and and your kids need you. And so she and her husband have, um, have just really devoted themselves to this ministry. And I think it it took her a long time to get to this point as she, as she told us. Um, so her goal is to help people, um, a little sooner than, than what she, what she went through. So, so those are four. Yeah, so tying up all the ends there, we have basically um, listed them in our Bellator Society uh, Generosity Fund as these are these are ministries that we believe in, that we want to focus on. Um, and so anyone who gives to the Bellator Society Generosity Fund is basically giving money directly to these nonprofits. Again, we, we said this in the live stream, but I can't stress it enough, like none of the money goes to us. And there's no overhead in terms of, you know, going through uncommon giving. They're not taking the the dollars that you're giving for these charities and using it for themselves. Again, 
I don't know how their business model works. <laughs> but, but the point of the matter is that I don't need to know how it works as long as I know that every cent that I'm giving is going to the intended end, which is these four charities that we've chosen for now because we have the option, even as you said earlier, Tracy, of expanding our reach. Yeah. You know, that we have the opportunity to add more nonprofits and charities to our, per, you know, to our Bellator Society give, giving fund. Um and just, again, following that mission that we have as the Bellator Society to shine lights on things that are good and true and beautiful and helpful in the world. And I hope that our listeners will help us with this. Give us some good ideas and suggestions because we, um, we're, we're passionate about um, giving. We're passionate about serving. We're passionate about generosity. And, and we don't know what we don't know. So if there's organizations out there that you are passionate about also, and you want to tell us about it, please let us know. We would love to learn more. We would love to, um, you know, even connect them with Uncommon Giving to be, um, you know, searchable on their website. So people who are maybe looking for, I don't know, a charity that supports the homeless or a charity that supports adoption or a charity that supports foster care can, you know, they can come up on, on the Uncommon Giving platform and they can get some visibility where maybe otherwise they wouldn't have that visibility, you know, it's really hard to get national attention for local nonprofits. And you mentioned the shower up, um, nonprofit that I know you love. We have feed my starving children. Do y'all have that in, in Nashville? I think so. That's not, that's not one that's familiar to me. Not uh, now if I say that we don't and we do, well, I don't, I don't think we had it in, um, I don't think we had it in, um, in Colorado either, but it's, it's one that we've gotten involved with here. Our kids have gotten involved, um, and through kind of through school, because we go to Catholic schools, they have to have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, service hours, which is wonderful. It's, it's, it's one of the many reasons why we choose Catholic education for our kids, because it, they, it does teach service, um, is just part of curriculum really is part of like, this is what we expect of you. And so usually, what happens in the Eddie household is they either go on a mission trip and get a lot of service hours, um, which is really their favorite thing to do. That our kids love uh, serving in missions, or they don't go on a mission trip and they need about you know eight hours at the very end of the semester when they realize <laughs> they haven't gotten all their hours in, and we pour into feed my starving children. And what what you do there is you pack up meals. Um, Mm. and you, and they box them up and I forget how many meals. So you kind of are divided up into teams and it's like a two hour commitment and everybody has a, has a station. You're either the rice or the bean or the, you know, vegetable or the, you know, one person seals the bags, one person packs it in the box and, and you, um, it's, it's almost like a competition because they usually find a, either a warehouse or a big church or a big school and, take over like the ballroom or the gymnasium or whatever. And, and your team is kind of fighting everybody else, not fighting, but competing to see how many boxes you can get packed. And I mean, in that two hours, because it is go, 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 you pack like hundreds and hundreds of meals um, that will go to, you know, third world countries or, or um, places around the world where, where, you know, people need food. And these, these packages of food are kind of like, pre-prepped you know they're the portion sizes the vitamins there's like a little vitamin scoop that goes in there so um the people who eat this you know will get a package of this food get you know all the all the nutrition they need for for a Mm -hmm. 
well-rounded meal. And it's like you add water and, you know, I think Mm -hmm. boil or something like that. And you get beans and rice and veggies and extra vitamins. Um, so that's a really, really cool one that we've, we've grown to love since living here in Arizona. I love that one. Yeah. Uh, another one that another one that I really love here in Nashville is one called Room in the Inn, and um, it is it's it's mainly through the the colder months. Um, that's when we typically jump in. My kids do, um, and again, usually it's through their school. They have a service learning um, piece of their education by virtue of going to a Catholic school, where they have to have gobs and gobs of service hours as part of their education, as part of, as part of their Catholic education, because we do believe so um, so much in service to the poor and and the um, you know social justice and things like that. And so they have um, various ways in which they can. Um, receive those hours. Advocacy is one thing, you know, advocacy would be service in terms of prayer, uh, education, things like that. But then you have direct service, which isn't advocacy, which is actually like being in the presence of the person you are serving. And room in the inn is the one that my one of the ones that my children do is in addition to shower up. And um, this is um, it's an organization that many churches in the Nashville area participate in. And basically, there are multiple sites throughout the, the week. Every single night, there is, um, it's basically a homeless shelter for the night, right, where the church opens up their uh, kitchen and just as you said, their gymnasium or their common space, and they set up cots. Um, you know, my boys will show up early and set up cots and make beds and make sure that pillows have pillowcases. They set out um clean clothes. Most of them are donated clean clothes, but all clean clothes out on tables. Um, and then a meal is served that night. And in addition to the meal being served, um, they leave in the morning. These, these people, these, um, homeless people show up, have a meal, have a place to sleep, have showers, have a place to shower if there's a facility available at the church. And then in the morning, leave with a bag of food for the day. That is amazing. And sometimes that sometimes that bag of food might have, you know, just uh, hygiene items in it as well. But like, you know, just as you said, your, your children do like we'll spend an afternoon making hundreds of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, yeah. you know, and, and just packaging it up to give out in the morning um, when they leave. But it is it's such it is such a humbling and beautiful thing. I've, I've gone several times with our children. We tend to do the, um, as a family, do the Thanksgiving meal um, every Thanksgiving. And it is so beautiful to see your children sitting beside these people who are in such need and, and seeing them interact as human beings, fully equal in the sight of God. You know, yes, my children are going there in a way because they have to for for school, but also because they want to sit next to that person and they want to have a conversation when really they could just, you know, do all the little busy work. But when you see your child sitting next to someone that they would not have met in their normal spheres, you know, in their normal circles and have a conversation and and see them laugh together and pray together and um, just there's it's it's transformative it really is well there's something about um giving i mean it's cliche to say it's better to give than to receive and and when you Mm -hmm. give you get more back but it it really is true and i think it does change the giver um Mm -hmm. it it changes the giver's heart to see what your impact is 
Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we want to believe that when we're helping, we're actually helping. And so when you, yeah. when you are in the presence of the person you're helping versus just writing a check, it is, right. um, powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah. And I think that's uh, tying it back to uncommon giving. I love that they, um, part of the piece of their, um, business model of, of their giving, um, model is like a thank you video. So you, yeah. so you, will know the impact that your gift has on some of these organizations, which I think is, is a really brilliant idea. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's nice to get a thank you letter, but it's nice to see a face of, of, yeah. of, and again, it's so smart because it's tapping into our culture now, which is all about like, you know, Instagram stories, Facebook lives, all of those things. Like we have a desire, especially now in this COVID culture to actually see another person. And th- and that's a way in which, you know, we, we can actually see the face of the people that we are serving through these funds. Because j- just as we discussed on the live stream, like this isn't about um, volunteer opportunities. This really is about using our monetary resources to help fund nonprofits that would ne- not necessarily have an entree into our lives or into the audience that we can provide them. Right. Okay. Another um, nonprofit that's near and dear to my heart. When we lived in Arkansas, I became familiar with the call, which is Children of Arkansas Love for a Lifetime. And it is one of the coolest. Um, nonprofits that is that supports the state but works with churches and um you know all churches in Arkansas um to find forever homes for children in a, in foster care in the state of Arkansas and and the the woman who's in charge I mean she just she has a heart for foster care she um you know really just like goes above and beyond and then there's also project zero which is they're they're sort of um Similar, and they do a lot, and they support each other. I think in a lot of the work they do. I adore Project Zero. Their their um, their kind of philosophy is one plus one equals zero. So if you have a, a person that can adopt a child, eventually we will have zero children left in in the foster care mm-hmm. system. And they put on events all over the um, all over the state. They they connect just like Uncommon Giving. They connect families who want to. Ad- foster and possibly adopt, or they connect families who want to adopt with children who are in foster care. And, um, I'm always, I always love seeing their Facebook posts when they say, you know, one less or two less, or, you know, they kind of get to announce, um, when a child's been adopted, but they really, really advocate for kids who, um, you know, need families. So they're a great one. We love them. They are a great organization to support because they do. They, they're usually the ones that um, maybe work with the, the um, social worker, you know, advocate mm-hmm. to maybe give them a birthday party, you know, get them that nice pair of tennis shoes and, and a cake and some cards. Mm-hmm. And, and they work with different um, restaurants that are really supportive that will usually host maybe the birthday party. But it takes money. You know, it takes money, and these kids deserve, they deserve a birthday. You know, they yeah. deserve a gift at their birthday, and, and they deserve people coming and eating and celebrating them and, and you know, being their champion. And that's what these, mm-hmm. these two organizations in Arkansas are. They're truly champions of the kids. And I, I, I follow them, and I've always said, if we could take this model in Arkansas and do it in other states, yes. how— powerful and life-changing would that be for the, for the, um, and it's a win-win because the state 
you know, is not meant to care for, you know, children, um, which is why children and families is always better than children, you know, in the state system. And the state needs, you know, the state needs the help. So anyways, that's my... Well, and I'll just say, I'll just say this in terms of our Catholic um, idea of subsidiarity, like the state shouldn't do all of these things. Like it's, it actually doesn't do it well a lot of the time. You know, it's, it's, it's oftentimes the furthest and not that we don't have good social workers who work for the public sector and all those things, but like we, we as individuals, we as churches, um, we as small nonprofits can do these things so much uh, more effectively. Um, because again, it's that person to person contact and you're not dealing with like large swaths of, um, of bureaucracy. You know, these are people who are doing this because this is where their heart is. Um, so yeah, I love, I love the call too. I mean, when they, when they first developed, I mean, it, it has it been 10 years, maybe, um, I mean, they're, they're relatively new. It was, again, such a beautiful, and Matt and I even looked into fostering through the call because it is such an, an inspiring um, opportunity. And it really is part of our Christian mission to care for orphans. Like that's, you know, true religion is the care for widows and orphans. And that's, you know, definitely part, part of, very central to our Catholic identity as well. Um, another one that I would, we could do this forever. How many more do we want to do? Okay. Okay. One that I really love, and and it's a little bit different. um, But again, it's kind of that person to person thing that always is very attractive to me. It's one that my again, my children have been involved in since moving to Nashville. And it's called the Nashville Dolphins. And um, anyone who knows the Jaegers know that they all swim. Like all of my children are swimmers, you know, they've been year round competitive swimmers. Um, And but when we moved here, everybody kind of like took a little bit of a break from swimming competitively. And um, but because they were so accustomed to being in the pool, and that was kind of part of our family culture, uh, they very quickly um, tapped into this nonprofit that exists for the sake of developing this lifelong skill, this this very healthy um, endeavor for um, children who are ha- have developmental differences. So you might have like a Down syndrome child who your ch- so, so the volunteers of this organization then become like the personal swim coach for someone who or, or a child might be severely autistic, nonverbal, um, the stories that my children have come back to tell us after, you know, spending a couple of hours on a Saturday coaching a kid or two swimming, because they have them like in um, classes. And so, but, but it's very one-on-one and sometimes it's even two-on-one, like you might have two coaches per child because I mean, swimming, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, it's kind of a risky behavior, especially if you have someone who's a non-swimmer altogether. And then, you know, add on top of that a developmental difference or being not verbal or whatever the case may be, like they take care of these children and help them feel safe in the water, help them feel proud of something that they've done where they might not be able to, you know, run on a team or play a a sport on a team. Like they become 
a dolphin. They become part of the team. Um, and again, alongside a person who, you know, obviously cares about them because they're there, but then, you know, cares about this, this, this sport of swimming, you know, so it's, it's sharing something that you're interested in, um, in a person to person way for someone who might really be marginalized, not in the traditional sense of being poor, but yet, you know, needs the attention of another human being. And I can't think of anything more beautiful than to go play with some kids. So um, that's awesome. I really like Nashville Dolphins. Uh, You Jaegers always find some really good ones, some really creative ones. Well, there, there, there are so many out there, so and many again, out there. I think that's what I think that's what uncommon giving is going to shine at. Yeah, is really um, showing us how many people in the world are doing amazing things for other human beings. Yes. Okay, my final favorite. Um, not even favorite. I mean, it's one of my favorites. I have so many favorites, but this is a final favorite for the day would be Boys Hope, Girls Hope. And it's a national organization, but um, there's, you know, state chapters. And so we've been involved in the state chapter of Boys Hope, Girls Hope, Arizona. Um, My husband's aunt is actually very involved in in his, um, her family, you know, her husband. And, and I think uh, maybe even her, her mother-in-law was involved when she was living. And, um, it is a, and his cousins um, help raise money for it. But what it is, is, you know, we have, um, you know, there's, there's educational disparities. And so there are children who are very, very smart, but because of their circumstances, maybe live in an area where the schools aren't um, meeting their needs, or maybe they're in an area um, where living at home is not the best thing for them. And Boys Hope, Girls Hope is a scholarship-based educational, um, program where kids who apply, who, you know, um, could not otherwise afford private school can apply. And they, you know, if you're selected, you're a scholar, a Boys Hope, Girls Hope scholar. And um, this organization pays for their education at either, you know, one of the Catholic schools in, in their town. So specifically in Arizona, it would be like, um, Xavier, which is for the girls, um, the girls' school, Brophy, which is the boys' school. Um, Notre Dame Prep is involved in Boys Hope, Girls Hope, but they they also give them housing and food and tutoring, and they really they they select kids that they know with coaching and with mentorship and with opportunity. They they will just you know thrive. It will be life changing, life giving to these children and. The stories are so amazing. And these kids always go on to like, you know, graduate school. So they, and they go to great schools, Harvard and, you know, Arizona State, which, you know, is, is my husband's alum, uh, an alumni of Arizona State. But they go to these fabulous schools all over the country, in state, out of state. They go um, and do wonderful things. And there's always a breakfast every year, which is an annual breakfast. And I helped on the committee, I think, a year ago. Um, and they, they usually have a test, you know, testimony and, and the person they had last year was, you know, basically, um, homeless his, his mother moved around a lot and he applied, he, he didn't want to move again and, um, applied to the program. He was accepted. He's, you know, a doctor now married, his wife's going back maybe to medical school. I mean, it's just, it's just such a cool story. It changes the trajectory of a person's life when they have access mm-hmm. to good education. Mm-hmm. And, and 
in a safe home environment and, and food in their stomach and people who are championing them. And so it's, it's such a cool, um, cool group. And so that's one that we really, really love. Boys Hope, Girls Hope. They have them. It's Jesuit. It's a Jesuit organization. And as many Catholic listeners will know, Jesuits are known for their education. I mean, they, they build schools. A lot of our big kind of universities are, are Jesuit run. And so that it's kind of a, a ministry within their um, order. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that it really highlights is a testimony to the idea that opportunity breeds opportunity and that the reason why we have gifts, you know, we, we talk, we hear the word privilege so much right now, like it's kind of like a mind numbing word to hear sometimes, but like we are privileged so that we can share that privilege. And that sounds like exactly what um, that organization is doing. It's, you know, really allowing people who would not have those opportunities to have them um, because we care about their lives. You know, if we have the opportunity, then why would we not share that with as many people as we possibly could? Right, right. And it is expensive. And so they need money, they need funds, they need support to put a kid through, you know, and they may get a discount rate. I'm not sure how it works with the schools. It's probably different at every school that they work with. But again, they have a home, they have meals, they have school supplies. You know, there's a lot of, to support someone through their whole high school career. um, Speaking of, you know, two, two moms who have high school kids and who have, who have, you know, graduated high school kids, it's expensive. And so they, they do this, um, So yes, they are always looking for monetary donations to help support these children. I love that one. Do you want to do last little bits? Yeah. Let's do you have one? I do have one actually, because uh, this morning before mass, as one does, I picked a, an encyclical to read. um, (laughs) (laughs) BTW, no one does that. Okay, go ahead. I was trying to find a way to just reflect on generosity, knowing that that would be our topic for the week, both for the live stream and the podcast. I was just trying to find like inspiration, ways to think about it that I had not thought before. And um, I read an encyclical this morning that I've never read before, which I would recommend to people. And it's Populorum Progressio by Pope Paul VI, or Pope St. Paul VI now. Um, it's it's on the development of peoples. And, and so it is, it's, it's basically an encyclical outlining the importance of human flourishing and the ways in which we can affect human flourishing as a church and as individuals and the the various it's commentary on the various organizations and um the the uh, the apparatus that exists in society um, for the intention of human flourishing and development. And one particular part that I wanted to, to just kind of mention um, as we as we kind of close up these reflections and this discussion of generosity is, is how we pinpoint who needs us. And, and um, Pope Paul VI calls this the scale of values. And, um, and he's talking about something um, that he terms human conditions. Like we should always be looking to help people who are, who are deprived of human conditions. And um, material poverty is just one of those. 
right? And he says, and I'm quoting directly from the encyclical here, he says, the material poverty of those who lack the bare necessities of life, that is one kind of lack of human conditions, but also there's the moral poverty of those who are crushed under the weight of their own self-love. I sat with that part for, for quite a while thinking about what that means. Another one that he gives is the oppressive political structures resulting from the abuse of ownership or the improper exercise of power. And I loved that because I feel like that so beautifully shows the spectrum of um, challenge we have as Christians. On one, on one hand, it, we would be ignorant to say that we do not have abusive ownership. And yet the church is not against capitalism. The church is not against individuals being prosperous, having property, all of those things, but it's the abuse of the ownership that is problematic. And on the other side, we have the improper exercise of power. It is not the government's responsibility to be the the end-all be-all, because when the government becomes the end-all be-all, the government becomes your god. It becomes to whom you you turn for all help. And that isn't that isn't within the, the Christian worldview at all as well. And so having, you know, this saint of our church, this Pope, so clearly outline the various um, ways in which we as human beings are um, without proper human conditions, the ways in which we are impoverished, um, I think was so helpful. Um, and then he goes on, I'll, I won't, I won't spoil it for you because I want you to read it. But you know, and just in the next paragraph, he goes on to outline what are truly human conditions? What are the things we should be working for? Because I feel like that's also a poverty of our time. We are so quick to say all the bad things. So many things are bad. I can list for you today, you know, a 100 things that I think are wrong with the world. But can I give you for every bad thing on the list, a suggestion on how to improve it in a practical way? No. And I think that is our mission as Christians. That should be the the goal of our charity is to solve problems in the most practical ways. Love that. And that's truly kind of what Bellator Society, what we hope to be, to shine a light on the goodness and on, on the organizations that are doing good. And Uncommon Giving is just one of many organizations doing a lot of good. And so I'm not even going to try and say anything half as beautiful as that, but I would just in my last little bit, I think on, you know, go to Uncommon Giving, please, and, and look at the ways you can get involved and contribute. And um, if you feel called, we'd love it if you go to Bellator Society Fund and, and you know, make a small donation, whatever you can. And more importantly, if you could just keep keep us in your prayers, keep... Um, uncommon giving and the staff um, in your prayers because they are really doing something kind of very unique and very revolutionary. And then to pray for these organizations, pray for the people behind, you know, the links behind the websites, because they're doing work that oftentimes doesn't get recognized, but it, it is life changing for the people and, and, you know, who they are helping. So I think that's, that's my last little bit. That's perfect. All right. I love it. Okay, y'all, we are so grateful that you listen to us today and we can't wait to talk to you next week and we hope you have a great weekend. Happy Friday. Bye, y'all. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.